This is episode number 65 with international best-selling author of the book Side Adventure, Artin Nazarian. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Before we drop into the episode, a quick message from our sponsor, 919 Marketing. I've worked with 919 Marketing for years and there's no one I trust more with my marketing needs in any of our businesses. I've worked with them in our franchise businesses, in my consulting business. I've worked with them on the franchisor side. And I love working with 919 because they take the time to listen. They take the time to understand what it is I'm looking to accomplish through my marketing, who I'm trying to reach, and then they help me put a plan together to do just that. I've worked with tons of marketing companies over the years, and too often it's a one-size-fits-all approach, but not with 919 Marketing. In addition to that, they've developed some amazing technology called 919 Insights, franchising's first and only AI-powered analytics platform. With 919 Insights in place, 919 Marketing can identify the exact topics that matter to your franchise candidates and provide the specific roadmap to help your brand become the highest ranking and most trusted resource when they're searching for answers. So if you're ready to start getting better results from your marketing, and if you want a free demo of 919 Insights, reach out to Graham Chapman at 919-459-8157 or send them an email at gchapman at 919marketing.com to schedule your free demo today. So whether you're a franchisor, a franchisee, or just getting started in your first franchise business, make sure to check out 919 Marketing and tell them West Barefoot sent you. Now. Let's drop into the episode. Hey, what's up, Path to Freedom listeners? We've got a very inspiring guest on the episode today. His name is Artin Nazarian. Artin has had an 18-year career as an executive with the Walt Disney Company. He maintains his role at Disney today. But in addition to that, he's an entrepreneur. He's been involved in numerous startups, one of which uh, he raised a significant amount of money for, sold it, He's also the author of the international best-selling book, Side Adventure, where he shares his experience and his advice for anyone that's an employee, but also fills that drive to be an entrepreneur and, and talks about how people can do that while keeping their job and staying employed. And I think Artin brings a very unique perspective because he's managed to do this at a high level for such a long time. So fascinating conversation with a fascinating guy. I know you guys are going to enjoy this. So let's go ahead and drop in with Artin Nazarian. You know, for those out there listening that may not be familiar with you, just tell us a little bit of what you're up to today and, and what you'd like the audience to know about you. Yeah, today, you know, I got, uh, like you mentioned, one leg in the corporate world. I'm an executive at the Walt Disney Company, uh, and the other leg kind of in more of a side hustle, entrepreneurship side of things. And right now, that's focused on my book uh, and kind of getting the message of the book out uh, as far reaching as I can and being a dad, too. I have two little kids that are constantly tugging down on me. So it's a, it's a juggling act. Yeah, yeah. The kids take up a little bit of time, right? <laughs> Yeah, just a little. <laughs> I've got I've one got two three, little ones too. So crazy. You said one and three. Yeah, uh, so it's uh, two toddlers basically that are driving me crazy. I love them to death. 
I can't even picture life without them. It's so crazy yep. that. Yeah. What is, what was life like without kids? But it's it's, 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 it's a beautiful thing. It's hard to remember. We've got a four year old and an eight month old, almost nine month old at this point. And uh, my my wife and I joke all the time because it's like you know our daughter, the four year old's at this age where she's just energetic and she's got question after question and you know it, it can be a little bit annoying sometimes right we love her to death but it can get a little annoying um and so like she'll go spend the night at, at my mother-in-law's house and we're like yes yeah, sleep overnight and then like an hour after she's gone we'll be like man we miss her we wish she was here like <laughs> it's it's crazy yeah. how that works but um so so you've got a lot going on right and, and for anyone that missed it he's an executive at the walt disney company um i can't imagine anyone listening has not heard of disney um and you've been at disney for quite some time right yeah uh it will be almost 18 years that i've had a uh, corporate career at disney and you know for those that have either been in the corporate world or just an employee you know, it, it, it's up, up and down. Uh, so a lot of people, when they're down, decide to kind of jump to the other side and say, yeah. oh, the grass is greener here, and then move job to job. I use my downtime as motivation to kind of pursue projects that I was really passionate about on my own instead of jumping, out, jumping back to another employee. So that's kind of why I've been I've stuck around Disney for 18 years. Um, not, not having to say Disney has been great for me. It has actually allowed me to do some of the things I'm doing uh, financially because uh, that, that part has been well. And just positioning myself under leadership that allows, gives me autonomy mm-hmm. uh, yep. to pursue some other things on the side. So it's a very fine balance that you have to uh, figure out how to work, <laughs> work through to get to a position to do multiple things easily. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure it is, and and that's I guess what I was alluding to it at, at the top of the episode when I said I think you bring a very unique perspective because you know a lot of the guests that I've had on the show that are very successful entrepreneurs they they made more of an abrupt transition if they did spend time in the corporate world where it was kind of like you said for one reason or another they just said hey I I'm going to go start this business and and they didn't toe that line like you've been doing and you've been doing this for for quite a while. I mean, these days you don't see many people staying with one company for 18 years and continuing to climb the ladder. I mean, I I was looking at your LinkedIn profile preparing for this. And I mean, it looks like you've had a lot of different positions over the years at Disney and have kind of steadily been, you know, working your way up within the organization. So you've had a very successful corporate career. But at the same time, you've done, been involved in numerous startups, uh, had numerous kind of, you know, side businesses or, or whatever you want to call them. Now you're an international best-selling author, so you know I'm sure a lot of people in the audience are wondering, how do you manage it all, especially with with a young family, as you've just mentioned. I mean, how do you keep all the balls in the air without letting any of your responsibilities suffer? Yeah, I mean, you know, it goes back to how I landed at Disney. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, living in LA, uh, you see the glitz and glamour of the film industry. And uh, in high school, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a the next big shot director and producer and writer. So thankfully, my parents were very supportive. So I ended up going to film school in Southern California. And uh, while in film school, supporting myself, I was working at Macy's Women's Shoes Department. <laughs> Talk about crazy. <laughs> um, uh, God, it's probably more crazy back time. then than it is in 2021. <laughs> I'm telling you, it is, it is crazy. <laughs> so um, once film school was done, you know, me and a very close friend of mine trying to find our footing, uh, he was selling a shoe to somebody at Macy's. This lady pulls out the credit card and it had the Disney castle on there. I saw it first. I'm like, Mike, Mike, check it out. So I ended up asking a question. Turns out, yep, my hunch was right. She worked at Disney. Wow. We told her that we just finished film school or not just, it had been like a few months already. And uh, she said, give me a resume. So we did. Uh, A couple of months later, we went in for an interview and both of us got hired there. But what was wow. interesting is we got hired in uh, 
distribution, which is mm. not something you learn in film school about. <laughs> like film sure. school is all about the, the creative part of the business, you know, making stuff. Um, so we landed in this department. We're like, what the hell? But hey, it pays a lot better than uh, Macy's does. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so uh, we kept going at it. And, you know, both Michael and I, we have a similar drive where whatever we're doing, we want to do it as best as possible. So it didn't right. matter that we didn't care about VHS or, you know, like shortly after it became DVDs, like we didn't care. But it was a job. So we wanted to excel at it. Uh, about a couple of years after, we both looked at each other and said, wait a minute, we need to sign up for this. Um, what happened to our ambitions and creative drives and all of that stuff? So that was kind of a catalyst for us to turn the mirror and say, wait a minute, um, let's, 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 let's turn the clock back and remember what we actually got in this for. And that kind of helped us go back to writing. And we started, we launched a small company where we're doing music videos and uh, commercials and, you know, very small project on the side uh, while still kind of maintaining that corporate job. Um, one of our scripts almost got bought. Um, oh, wow. But, but we, uh, it got compared to Madagascar, the DreamWorks animation. Yep, yep. And because of that, they, they dropped it. Uh, uh, once we found out, we were like, oh my God, ours has nothing to do with that story. But <laughs> the only common denominator was animals in a zoo, animals in a zoo. So, uh, at the time the production company said, no, we can't do it. And, you know, it was disappointing, but I don't kind of let any of those hold, hold me back. I'm like, okay, next one, next one. And, uh, you know, 2005, 2006 post.com bubble. I was noticing how well, it's always difficult to raise money to make a movie. It's mm. such a risky investment, yeah. uh, especially if you have no big actors attached, no big filmmakers. It's just difficult. But a lot of money was being thrown at technology. You know, this mm. is early days of uh, MySpace and Facebook and mm -hmm. a lot of you know, B2B applications. Kind of. So I said, you know what? I've done some application development at Disney. I'm going to give this a try instead. And that kind of was the pivot I made from let's make movies to let's make software. Ah. Um, ironically, when I, when, when I look back at it, and the reason why I went into filmmaking in the beginning was the glitz and glamour. Mm -hmm. uh, but in film school, uh, and really shortly after film school, I realized that there's a building of this stuff that I enjoyed. Mm. Uh, and this, it, it, you know, film was something, you know, a movie or a show is something you build, but software kind of gave me that same fulfillment because I'm building something that people can use. Yep. Uh, yeah. But I was just so wrong because just because I was involved in some internal software at Disney did not mean that I know how to do it by myself externally. So it was uh, a, a, uh, Catastrophic failure. Well, uh, my my guess is <laughs> Disney had a few more resources than you did out on your own too. Yeah. I, I would venture to say. <laughs> exactly, an expert. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah no right. Yeah, that, that too. Yeah. Uh, you know, me. I just had an idea, uh, which I thought was good at the time, but it was not only the idea was horrible. Uh, I had no idea how to execute it. I'm mm. not an engineer. I'm not a designer. Uh, so, you know, cut, cutting the story short, it was just one failure after another, but I didn't want to, I never looked at a failure. It was always, okay, well, and this failure, I learned this thing. Uh, now I'm, I'm getting closer. Like it was always, I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. Yeah. And it was funny. I, I always use, I back then I kept using a term that it's like a shark that's uh, smelling blood. I'm like, I smell it. Maybe it's really far, but I, I smell it. It's right there. And, um, you know, eventually around 2009, 2010, after probably like 10 failures in like five, six years, I ended up raising $4 million. And we finally built a platform uh, that got used by people <laughs> that actually <laughs> generate money. <laughs> Prior to that, it was always we built something that nobody even cared about. Um, and uh, the platform was in hospitality. 
So uh, okay. while continuing to climb the corporate ladder, uh, I had a team of 25, 30 outside too. So kind of wow. circling back to your question uh, in the beginning around how I managed this. It, was, it all came down to just wanting it so bad as a start. Uh, I wanted both to be successful so badly that I ended up uh, developing habits. Uh, and I kind of stuck to those habits, whether it was the time that I woke up, the time that I fell asleep, um, the more difficult part about, about saying no to friends, uh, yeah. weekends and going on. So mm -hmm. there was a lot of sacrifices and a lot of habits that I had to, uh, build to balance it all. And once I did, it kind of became a little instinctive Yeah. where I kind of knew, okay, I'm up at 5.36, that's my usual time. And I still wake up at 5.36. <laughs> now because of the kids usually, but I'm up yep. anyways, even if the kids don't wake me up. Yep. So it, it just became a lot of habits. Uh, you need to juggle it all and good habits. Uh, you know, a lot of people would take at nighttime, two hours of relaxing and let's binge watch three episodes. I was like, no, 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 no. I have a feature to test. I need to test this because I need to send the engineers a report of my, uh, you know, my testing. So this constant work, 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 and, um, and relaxing and Netflix and chilling was not a high priority. And that's kind of, you know, understanding what's important to you, prioritizing it and building habits is the only way you could juggle multiple things. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's really, really good insight. For anyone listening, right? Because what I'm hearing is you built everything you built outside of Disney and and took the the years that you took trying all these different things that that didn't end up panning out. You did all of that without your primary job or your corporate job sacrificing at all. You just had the drive and the work ethic and developed the discipline to say, hey, in these hours that I have every single day that I'm not, you know, quote unquote, on the clock. I, I'm not going out to the bars. I'm not going out partying. I'm not, you know, watching Netflix or, or whatever. I'm, I'm doing this to, to build what I want to build. And, and I mean, you hear that story uh, pretty commonly with, with entrepreneurs. What, what do you attribute having that, that drive too was that something that you had to kind of teach yourself over the years or, or do you feel like that came just kind of inherently to you i feel like i've always had it going back to high school now i don't know what caused me to have it whether it was something my parents instilled in me or just, right. you know being uh immigrants coming to this country uh okay. yeah and that kind of driving me uh but from, from high school days, I just always had that drive of, I got to make it happen. I got to make it happen. One way or another, like, I got to make it happen. And it, at some point, once I had the successful startup and being an executive at Disney at the same time, uh, it, there was an obsession that got built. It was, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to fail. Uh, and it, it, there's some obsession that kicks in that, that's hard to describe where it's no longer a job. Like I, I did not feel like, oh my God, here we go again. I just left Disney. Now I have four or five hours of work on the startup. It never felt that way. It's it was what you always, wanted to do. I wanted to do it. Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. wanted to do it because it was just fun and exciting and challenging. And that challenge and knowing that I'm going to learn something new today uh, just kept me going. Wes here. You may have noticed there's a franchising theme to this podcast. And that's because franchising has had a massive impact on my life. And it's the very reason I'm walking my own path to freedom. In fact, one of my companies is a franchise consulting company where I work with people to help them understand franchising and determine if it might be a good fit for them. And if it is something they want to explore, then I help them navigate the entire investigative process and ultimately find a franchise business that's a great match for them. 
you know, the fact of the matter is there are thousands and thousands of franchise businesses out there today. And like anything, there are good ones and there are bad ones. Even out of the many, many great franchise companies, not every one of them would necessarily be a good fit for you. You know, buying a franchise is a huge decision and you don't want to wing it. I've helped many people buy franchise businesses over the years, and my wife and I have bought and own franchises today, and we plan to keep investing in franchise businesses. I love helping people understand this process and help them find a business that's going to be a great fit for them and help them accomplish their goals and ultimately create that freedom in their life that we're all looking for. The best part of all of this is that my services are free to the people I work with. And while I do love to contribute to charities and other great causes, I'm not a nonprofit. I'm compensated by the franchise companies I work with when I introduce them to someone that ends up becoming one of their franchisees. It's very similar to real estate, but with franchises. I have the privilege of working with hundreds and hundreds of the best franchise companies out there across practically every industry. So I can be absolutely confident that when I recommend someone to look at a franchise company, I'm introducing them to a very credible and proven company with a solid business model and great support. So if you think you might be interested in learning more about franchising and seeing if it might be right for you, I'd love to speak with you. Get in touch with me by email at wes at path2freedom.com, path, the number two, frdm.com. And also check out my website at pathtofreedom.com, spelled the same way, where I've got a ton of resources, both franchise and non-franchise related, that will help you start down your own path to freedom. And of course, subscribe to and follow the podcast for more great advice about business ownership. And if you know anyone else that might be interested in speaking with me, please share this podcast with them. Thanks for listening to my shameless plug. Now let's drop back into the episode. I love what you said about you know, how you viewed the quote unquote failures that you had, not as failures, but as, hey, I just learned how not to do this. So that puts me that much closer to how I can do this. And, and I, I think that's so important. And that mindset is so critical to anyone that, that wants to be an entrepreneur. Uh, you're going to fail a lot as an entrepreneur. Like there's no sense in sugarcoating that to anyone out there that's thinking about becoming an entrepreneur. It's a freaking grind and you are going to try a lot of things, the majority of which probably won't work. So developing that mindset of, hey, when when I do try something and it doesn't work, it's only a failure if I stop trying, if I give up. And, and I know for me, when that switch kind of flipped in my mind, that was probably one of the biggest things that that you know helped me actually start having some success in in the long run was adopting that mentality. So I, I love that you brought that up. Um, I'm curious because I, I imagine a lot of people listening are wondering this, like you know, all these years at Disney as you're trying these different things, and then eventually had had a very successful startup. I think you said you were managing twenty or thirty people in the startup. Uh, I can't imagine you you were doing all of this without people at Disney knowing about it. Um, I mean, tell us a little bit what that balance was like. I mean, was was Disney supportive of what you were doing or did you feel like they were kind of watching you more closely to see if your your work suffered as a result? I mean, what what was that like? Yeah, I mean, the first thing was I was very respectful of the corporate policy to make sure that there isn't a uh, a conflict of interest going right. on that right. I'm not doing on the, on something on the side that was conflicting with Disney. So I was very conscious of that. And it was not, you know, Disney is not dealing with bars and nightclubs. <laughs> so, so I knew I would say so. Uh, my immediate uh, boss and, and, and leadership knew about it. Okay. Um, and, you know, I'd always told them that if at any point you feel like my productive productiveness and effectiveness is dropping, you let me know. Yeah. Uh, and in a way to prove them wrong was another thing that kind of drove me. I was going to say, you know, I'm going to make sure that yeah. uh, you guys don't ever say anything about my effectiveness and what I bring to the table. And something interesting started happening. You know, in the beginning, I definitely leveraged 
Disney and everything that I learned at Disney to do on, to do what I did on the side. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that is I was not kind of boxed in my role and said, this is my role. Anything outside of this, I don't care about. I actually started networking and starting to meet with people way outside of my immediate team and department just so I can see, well, how does a Fortune 100 company do this? Like, how do people do some of the things they do, whether it was sales, marketing, uh, just all of it? Yeah. And all that, that I learned, I started applying it outside. Then what, what was interesting is at some point, my pace of learning on my startup was faster than what I was learning at Disney. So I was bringing back to Disney a lot of value. I brought in a lot of ideas wow. to the table that um, in one way or another, I, it was costing me money to do because we were testing and spending you know, startup money to do it. And I was bringing it back to Disney and saying, hey guys, um, I think if we should do this like this and this and this, I might be good. Like, oh my God, that's a good idea. But some of those folks had no idea how I even came up with that. Yeah. They just thought that I read an artic article or something. But that kind of helped, uh, you know, my continuous climb of the ladder because they noticed that, wow, this guy is now actually adding more value. Yeah. <laughs> He's more busy, but adding more value. Well, that I mean, that makes a ton of sense to me. And and I hadn't, you know, really thought about it that way. But but as you were kind of explaining that, it makes perfect sense to me. Um, and I could see how at a certain point, the the everything you're learning through your startup uh, outweighed what you were learning at Disney. And I, I would guess that's because you were probably wearing more hats in your startup. I mean, you you had your hands in a little bit of everything. Um, but I, I was going to ask you, and I think you already kind of answered it, but uh, I was going to venture to guess that part of your success at Disney results from how busy you've stayed over the years working on your other ventures, because it's, I think it's the old, um, what's the example? Like, Hey, if, if I give you three weeks to clean your house, you're going to take three weeks to clean it. If I give you three hours to clean your house, you're going to clean it in three hours. Right. It's like exactly. pe people exactly. tend to get, get pretty productive when they need to be. And then if they've got all this downtime, then they're not as productive. So, um, I, I can yeah. see that. I, I always benefit. tell people, <laughs> yeah, I always tell folks on my team, just pretend you're going on vacation tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it is unbelievable how much people get done the last twenty-four to forty-eight hours before vacation. Yeah, it uh, is. It's a, wild. You know, there's a hard. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, but there's another saying I've heard a lot. I think it's something like, "If you need something done, find the busiest person you know, and they'll get it done." Um, yeah. So it sucks for the busy person, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they'll they'll figure it out. Um. So no, I, I love the story and appreciate you sharing, you know, some of the background with us. Um, I think it's inspiring. I, I, I can imagine there's a lot of people out there listening, you know, that are in a similar situation to where you were when you first started, you know, working on some of, some of your businesses on the side. And, and now I know that you're pretty focused on helping other people figure out how they can take a similar trajectory to you. You mentioned the book earlier. Um, tell us a little bit more about the book. Obviously, give us the title of it, but you know, tell us who the book is for, and and you know, some of the the key takeaways, I guess, without giving us everything, as we want people to go out and and get the book, of course. But but kind of give us the story behind the book, and and why did you decide to write a book in the first place? Yeah, you know, the title called Side Adventure, um, and it's a play on the word venture on yeah. the side. Yeah, because, you know, in my mind, raising four million dollars and, you know, being responsible for somebody else's money and building a product was not a gig and it's not a hustle. That was a venture. So, yeah, absolutely. that's why I call it a side venture. And it was an adventure. So that's what that's how the title was born. Um, that the startup that I was mentioning, hospitality, uh, about four or five years into it, uh, I had just gone married and, you know, staying up until one, two in the morning on Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays, onboarding these bars and nightclubs is not something that I wanted to do. Uh, so when the opportunity for acquisition came up, 
as a board member, I voted for it. Uh, and it eventually, you know, that's what happened. But I had already built a strong habit on how to leverage my time as effective and, and productive as possible. All of a sudden, I found myself bored. I'm like, wait, I'm like, what do I do? There was no kids at home at the time. So I, about a six, seven months later, I kind of started down another uh, project. But then I, once we got the MVP built, I quickly stepped back and I said, wait a minute. Um, I'm a big reader, especially for you know, leadership, self-development, you know, kind of that, those type of books. One of the common themes that I hear in when a super successful person has uh, written a book, whether it's an autobiography or it's a self-help book, you obviously get a lot of that business advice, mm-hmm. but always towards the end, you always hear them say something along the lines of, I wish I had spent more time with my son. I wish I had done this. So that stuck with me and resonated with mm-hmm. me because you know, if I'm reading this book for the advice, why would I ignore that advice? Yeah. So when my uh, wife got pregnant uh, with now our three-year-old, I just told myself, I want to be an active and present dad. Yeah. So that's why I had to take a step back from that startup that was in its infancy. Um, but again, I'm like, I, but I, I still need to do something. And that's how the idea of the book was born. Mm. Uh, over the years, so many people kept coming to me and asking me, well, how'd you you know, how'd you excel, excel in the corporate world? How'd you start an idea? Where did it come from? And I started giving some talks as well uh, around this topic. So I said, okay. you know what? I'm going to turn that into a book. And uh, I don't have to sacrifice my willingness to be a president active dad because I could do it at home uh, yeah. when they're sleeping uh, during naps or whatever. And that's kind of how I wrote it. It was when they're sleeping at naps. Um, and it took, uh, you know, as a first-time author, what you don't know, you don't know. Uh, I thought I was going to finish it before he was born. Uh, turns out that I needed another three years. <laughs> so it took about three, three and a half years to I write was, it. I was going <laughs> to ask you how long it took. Um, so, so I, and I've got to ask you as a follow-up to that, knowing what you know now, will you write another book? Absolutely. Cool. I, I really enjoy the process. Yeah, I cool. enjoy the process. Uh, and I'm starting to kind of formulate uh, the concept and the core message of the next book. Now, th- the core message of this book is you're one idea away from happiness. Um, mm. Because having this perspective that I have in the corporate world and in a kind of a, a side entrepreneurship uh, startup, you hear a lot of people always push one or the other that you want freedom and if you want this, be an entrepreneur. Well, if you want stability and this, do the corporate world. Like it's rare that somebody pushes both. Yes. Um, I, I, I came along and I said, forget that. Uh, what makes you happy actually and fulfilled? Do that. But you won't know what makes you happy and fulfilled until you try both. So if you are in the corporate world, give that side project a try. Because you're either going to figure out, wow, I am an entrepreneur at heart. I got to do this. Or you're going to figure out, no, 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 this is not for me. Yeah. But I learned that I really like marketing and I'm not really into operations and Mm. somehow helping you to pivot your corporate career into a discipline that you enjoy more. But you only figure that out because you gave something a try. Yeah. Well, look, I absolutely love that message. And uh, I mean, I, I've seen it, right? I mean, you know, I specialize in franchising, right? So I work with people that a lot of them are are in corporate America. They want to get out for one reason or another. They, they like this idea of being an entrepreneur. Maybe they had some sort of a side hustle over the years and they, they got a little taste of it. So they want more of it. Um, but I also work with a lot of people that get right there to the edge and they're ready to take that leap to, to bet on themselves, and they don't. And, and the reason that they don't, it all comes back to fear, right? It's fear of the unknown. It's fear of failure. Uh, it's getting uncomfortable compared to being comfortable. Hey, I know how much money's coming in next month. I've got my benefits. I've got 
you know, 401k, everything that comes with that. And, but I get it. Like I've been there and it's, it's hard, you know, like, like some people, if, if you get laid off, right. That's kind of like you're getting kicked, you know, through the door, but it's a lot harder to walk through the door on your own um, cold Turkey, you know? And so I, I talked to a lot of people about this and, and how can you go about making that transition uh, in a more strategic way? And with franchising, there actually are quite a few franchise business opportunities where you can kind of have both of uh, the best of both worlds, where you can start a franchise business while keeping a full-time job. You know, you put a team in place to kind of run day-to-day in the franchise business. There's a lot of different models out there, some of which are, are designed to be more passive for the actual franchise owner. Um, and so for a lot of people, that's a good fit. And, and that's really, you know, what you're helping people figure out how to do as well, not necessarily with a franchise, but I think there's a huge need for, for more people like you spreading this message because, I mean, I, I see it all the time and it's probably the most frustrating part of, of what I do is I see people get this close, you know, to trying something and, and they, they don't. And, and so I think what you're helping people figure out through your books and, and through the talks that you're giving and coming on podcasts like this is different ways that they can try different things, figure out, you know, what it is they really want to do. What can they really get behind and get excited about? Um, and, and I love what you said earlier. You said you're, what'd you say? One decision away from happiness. One idea. Away from one happiness. idea. Yeah. But it's decisions fit there too. Yeah. You're one yeah. decision away. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I you know, love that. What's interesting about uh, what you mentioned about fear, in almost all cases that people I've interacted with and a small number that have come to me for kind of coaching, mm-hmm. that fear is, is purely manufactured in their head. Yep. And it's nowhere the reality of the situation. Yeah. And it's oh, just yeah. getting people to see that there's nothing to fear. What's the worst case scenario that can yep. happen? And But people build up this, huge massive bad scenario that is unrealistic and let that dictate their decision which uh holds people back yeah it's so true and i'm glad you brought it up but it's it's kind of and i'm guilty of this myself like we've started numerous businesses and it is scary but your mind goes wild with creating all of these outrageous scenarios And so I do think it's important to like take a step back from that and think about, all right, what is the worst case scenario if, if I try this and are you a Tim Ferriss fan at all? I am. I am. Yeah. So I share this with, with people that I work with that are, that are struggling. And I do this exercise from time to time, but he did a Ted talk years ago and it's one of the best Ted talks I've ever seen. And he calls it fear setting. And it's an exercise that he kind of goes through where if he's got, a big decision like that, 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 you know, he's struggling with making and and he realizes that fear is playing a role in that. Uh, he kind of writes out, it's a very simple exercise. He details it in this Ted talk, but he kind of writes out, all right, this is the decision. This is the potential consequences. This is the absolute worst outcome. But then he also, and this is where like people get to that point very easily in their own head. They don't take the, the next steps, which is okay. Well, if the worst case scenario happens, what do I need to do to get back to like square one to, to where I am today? Right. And then also, what can I do to prevent that worst case scenario from playing out? And he's like, if you actually go through the the exercise, 98 percent of the time, you're going to realize, number one, it's very, very unlikely that the worst case scenario plays out. If it doesn't go right, it's not nearly as bad as what you're imagining it to be. Um, and, and even if it does, there's pretty easy steps you can take to get back to where you are today. Um, and so I, I've always, that's always resonated with me. Um, and, and, you know, through like listening to stuff like that, I got turned on to stoic philosophy, which, which talks a lot about, uh, you know, how most of the fear we experience is, is in our head. And so I'm really glad you, you brought that up because, uh, my, my loyal listeners know this is a, uh, a hot topic for me and they're probably tired of hearing me rant about it, but uh, it's good that, that, you know, you're, you see the same thing and have seen the same thing. 
Yeah, no, you know, it's funny. What you just described uh, is no different than like it being kind of like in a, in operations or supply chain or that type of role where you have to do risk management. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just risk management, but people very easily do it for their job, but forget to do it for themselves. Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, and again, I, I think it's why why what you're doing and and books like yours are so important because again, it's I mean, people are giving up on their hopes and dreams because they're they're scared and and essentially you're helping people learn how they can make some of these moves but do it in a in a less risky way, right? Without having to to walk away uh, from the the good job that they have or potentially burn bridges and. And I love the point you brought up earlier where you may decide business ownership's not for you, but you may get exposed to something that you hadn't before. And that may send you down a whole different uh, trajectory, you know, with with your a corporate career, right? So one that may be more fulfilling and, and more rewarding. So um, I think that's yeah, a, a really good point, too. So what yeah. else what you else know, should people know about the book? Sorry, sorry to cut you off. I think we've got a little bit of a no, delay. No. Yeah, um, you know, the book is definitely was written for me, but me of like 20 years ago. Yeah. So it's somebody that has, is ambitious and has, has something to prove as a chip on their shoulder and, and know that they're capable of things bigger than what they're doing now, but doesn't come from a wealthy handling, uh, yeah. doesn't have that connection to like, Harvard and Stanford and MIT, you know, they're not connected into that yep. circle, uh, but they have ideas. Um, so this was kind of a book to try to help that group of individuals fast track to mm. reach their goal faster than I did, because I made a lot of mistakes. So if I can help people kind of leapfrog and get sure. to that end goal faster, uh, that's that's the purpose of the book. Well, I love it. and you know, want to make sure everyone listening to this knows where they can find the book and, and check it out. Um, I think I asked you, uh, when we talked before this, you do have an audio version of the book out. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The audible version, ebook, uh, and hard copy, uh, on Amazon and anywhere else. Uh, books are sold. Beautiful. Um, and did you narrate the audio version? I did. I narrated it and it was narrated at a big uh, theatrical. Oh, that's stage. right. Yeah. Yeah. You told me that. That's <laughs> that. That was a kind of a Disney perk, right? Yeah. You know, that's kind of a perk I get. It, it's, you know, we work with a lot of vendors in post-production in LA. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very connected to them. So I just call one of them up. It was during COVID. No movies are being released. I'm like, hey, man. Is the theater empty right now? They're like, yeah, it's been empty for four months. I'm like, can I borrow it for four days? <laughs> like, yeah, sure, come on down. That's so awesome. I got to record the audio audio version of it in this beautiful, huge theatrical soundstage with a professional sound engineer that works on theatrical movies. So that was kind of cool. That's so cool. That's so cool. Well, I actually downloaded it on Audible. Um, right after you and I last spoke. And so it's, it's coming up in my queue here. So I'll be listening to it very soon. Um, so I'm excited to, to check it out. Highly recommend everyone else listening, checks it out too. Um, you know, before we wrap this up, I mean, what else would you like to share, you know, with the audience out there, um, any advice or, or just anything that, that you wish someone would have shared with you when you were early on in your career? Um, you know, instead of, I wish I'm going to just share a few things that somebody shared with me Great. that have stuck and have been really, really powerful. Um, one was that stop focusing on idea and, and let the, the catalyst for everything to be the problem instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. cause a lot of people, you know, just have a spark and, Oh my gosh, it's a great idea. I have this idea, but is it really solving a problem for a large enough of population that are willing to pay for it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So instead of keeping your eye on, on finding the next idea, 
actually train your mind to look for problems to solve. Um, and that definitely has served me well at Disney and externally because I just kept looking for problems. All of a sudden, I became this guy that was like a detective for problems. Yeah. Because I would go around and, and talk to people. What's your problem? What's your problem? I'm like, why does this guy keep asking me what the problem is? <laughs> but I was trying to find, you know, what is the next problem that I can solve? Um, and along those same lines, you know, in the larger the company, the more problems they are. So just look for the problems to solve that mean to uh, that that mean something to decision makers. Because um, there's so many problems that you can solve that you never get noticed. But if you solve problems that mean something to a decision maker, that's how all of a sudden you end up on promotional list and always the rising talent or you know making sure that we keep you like just focus on the problem and that has definitely served me well. I think it's great advice. I mean, how often do you hear about, you know, entrepreneurs, whether, you know, they're in, in tech or developing the next new app and they think it's a brilliant idea, but they didn't, they didn't really build a prototype. They didn't, uh, you know, test it with, with uh, potential customers to, to see, Hey, do other people think this is a good idea? It's just like, Hey, we think this is a great idea. We've got the next big thing. And then all this time, all this money goes into actually rolling it out only to find out nobody else cares, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, or, I or nobody. Spend, uh, I spent it. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's, a, it's a really interesting thing. And I spent a chapter on this in the book okay. about this idea validation and look at it from an angle of a problem. But it, it's interesting how aspiring founders or just people up and coming in their career uh, usually always look for the idea and not the problem. But as soon as you switch that mindset, just magic happens. Yeah. No, I, I've, I've come to believe that for sure. I mean, the best businesses out there solve a problem and it, and it's a, a widespread problem typically. And, you know, to, to bring it back to franchising, cause it applies here, like some of the best franchise businesses out there, they, they, they didn't like come up with a proprietary way to do what they do. They didn't reinvent the will. They just said, all right, what's the problem in how consumers get this product or service today? And how can we solve that problem and make it a better experience for them? And that's why you see franchise companies like, like painting, right? Or like, you know, we own a franchise where we do insulation. Like we don't, we don't do insulation differently than anyone else in terms of like the actual products that we're using. We didn't invent the the next greatest thing to insulate homes. Uh, we just provide a better experience. We kind of said, where are the holes in this industry and how can we make it better? And, and that's how really good, sustainable companies uh, uh, are, are born, in, in my opinion. So yeah, um, well said, well said. I'm glad to hear you you. You know, dedicated a chapter to that in the book because I think that's great advice. I think if if you know your goal is to get into business for yourself, and, and I think that also stops a lot of people from ever getting into business for themselves because how often do those revolutionary ideas really come around? You know, so if you're just sitting there waiting on on that, you know, to to strike you, it's uh, not gonna happen. Not yeah, gonna happen. you're probably gonna be waiting for a while. Don't don't hold your breath. Um, yeah. Yep. So, no, I love that. I like what you said. You kind of became a detective for for finding problems. I think that's a perfect way to think about it. Um, well, Art and man, this has been awesome. I'm really glad that that we connected. Glad that you were able to make time to to drop in here on the podcast. Um, I do a lightning round at the the end of every episode. These are the same four questions uh, that I ask every guest that comes on. Uh, I think in a way you've already answered the first question, but maybe you can give us like a uh, a backup answer to this, um, which is simply what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? And that could be in business or just general life advice. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I, the the prob- focusing on problem was definitely the best advice. Uh, a backup uh, advice would be... Um, you know, it's cliche, but just do something you like. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the reason, and I always thought that was cliche, but 
once I kind of understood what that means, uh, now I'm like, it's cliche, but it works. Because it wasn't about do something you like because you just enjoy it every day. That was not the case. For me, at least, it was do something you enjoy because it's hard. Doing something, building something from scratch is very hard. And if you don't like it and have at least some degree of passion towards it, the first obstacle that comes in your way, you're going to quit. Yeah. Uh, yep. So just, just liking what you do helps you overcome those obstacles. Yeah, I agree. Because a lot of people would hear that and say, yeah, it's, it's cliche. But framing it the way you just did, which is do something that you like so you'll actually have the drive to push through all the, the, the crap that's going to be flying at you as you're trying to accomplish whatever it is. And, and I also think like if you're, if you're doing something that you enjoy or, you know, call it passion or, or whatever, like you're going to be more successful. So that's going to help you get everything else, right? The, the money, the, the freedom, the lifestyle, like all of that kind of follows. So it's not this kind of like, you know, woo woo. Yeah. Do what you like. And, and, you know, who cares about everything else? It's like one thing kind of follows yeah. the other. Um, so no, and, I, and you know, the, the other part that I think people kind of always confuse when they say passion. Well, as you can see behind me, there's a Kobe Jersey. My passion is basketball. I'm never going to be an NBA player. Yeah. So I think when we talk about passion in this context, it's passion and overlay with your skills and abilities. That, 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 that whatever that, you know, you overlay, that's when you have potential of actually turning into something successful in a business standpoint, not passion. You love surfing, you love basketball, but you actually are not good at it. That doesn't work. <laughs> right. Like you're going to spend your whole life trying to get into the NBA and you're already in your thirties and you're under six feet, like, you know, probably <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> Um, yeah, but it's, it's so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so true though. And, and I talk to a lot of people that, you know, would say, Hey, Wes, I'm passionate about surfing. So I want to get into a business that centers around surfing. And sometimes that works. Usually it doesn't though. And, you know, to look at it the, the opposite way, like I own a shelving and an insulation business. I'm not passionate about either shelving or insulation, or I certainly wasn't when we started those businesses. I'm not handy, so I don't have the skills. Like I don't do the insulation or put in the shelving, uh, but I am passionate about building businesses, providing a better experience for our clients than they're going to get from anyone else in the same business. I'm passionate about creating jobs for other people that want to work hard and have a good opportunity. And I'm passionate about creating a great life for my family. All those things you know, play a part in, in helping me do these things I'm passionate about, even well, though the... Uh, the widget is not, it's insulation. Who's passionate about insulation? Nobody. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that is, I'm so glad you said that because sometimes you forget kind of the, the, the passions that are on the side. It's not directly what's in front of you. It's the impact that thing in front of you has, which yeah. becomes your the passion to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, winning for your family and, and making sure that they're well off. That's a, I mean, if that's not a passion, then. Uh, that's scary. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like the ultimate passion for, for most people, you know? Awesome. Uh, well, I'm glad you had that bonus uh, best piece of advice for us. Really good stuff. Um, I'm curious about this. And, and we were talking about kind of like our, our workout routines, uh, you know, before we started recording. So maybe this ties in, maybe it doesn't. But um, I'm curious, do you have any sort of a morning routine, something that you try to do every morning to prime yourself for a successful day. So right now with a one and three, <laughs> my morning is very different than, than before. Be, you know, prior know. to kids, my morning routine was get up, uh, which was around 5.30, the average time was I was waking up. Uh, and I know this goes against a lot of advice, but I was checking email. That's the first thing I did. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I organized myself. And I had, I had set up some smart rules in my Outlook that automatically highlighted for me emails that I want to see in the mm, morning. Yeah. Uh, and, and the reason I did that is because on my startup, a lot of the team were offshore. Mm -hmm. So if I didn't get to that email uh, and able to 
address it uh, within the next hour or two. I lost, they lost the day. Right. Cause they're they waiting on waiting. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're waiting on me. So my routine started with checking email that maybe was 10, 20 minutes. And then uh, it was kind of this going into a Zen moment of, you know, I'm thinking and a lot of people will say, you know, they do yoga or somehow music. My Zen moment is always shooting hoops. Ah. So I would go in the back, I would go in the backyard and just shoot some baskets and, and, and improve my shot. And for whatever reason, shooting basketball and even playing basketball uh, clears my head. Yeah. Uh, Cause I'm just focused on one thing, getting that ball through that hoop. Um, and you know, maybe I did that for 10 minutes. It wasn't a long thing. Uh, and then I would come back and I would dive into what do I need to do to make sure that the offshore team on my startup is not waiting for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was uh, a document they needed. Maybe it was I need to test a, a new feature and send it back to them. Or maybe we were far enough into the project and now some marketing concepts we're developing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know, about 45 minutes of that. And then I would get into how do I prepare for my day at Disney? And I would look at my calendar. Uh, so it was just a lot of preparation. And I would make sure that uh, I did not have any calls during that early morning time. Right. Yep. Uh, and then when I would get into my car, it was only audible and I was only listening to books. Uh, that's all I did. Uh, I mean, I burned through these audibles so fast because I, I, I was so excited to drive. Cause I was, oh my God, I can't wait for the next chapter. So I was excited to get into, into the car and drive. And then I would go through my corporate day and I come back kind of a similar routine on back end of the day, okay. uh, preparing for the startup and what else I had to do. And in the middle of there, yeah, I would throw in a workout too because uh, I used to be a gym rat, not so much anymore, but uh, just how do I get that little exercise in uh, to make sure I'm energetic uh, and pumped up for the day? Yeah. Now I, I find the workout it it helps clear my head like shooting hoops does for you. And and I I I'll do the early morning workout sometimes. You hear a lot of people you know with their morning routine say I got to get my exercise in first thing. And and I I have more energy throughout the day when I do that. But for me, like a mid afternoon workout, it it kind of helps me clear my head reprioritize and then finish the rest of the day uh more energetic and also more focused so and and that's why i like asking this this question right is because everyone has something different that works for them i think the 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 point is figure out what works for you go into your day with some sort of structure versus just completely reactive and so i don't know i'm fascinated to hear from successful people like yourself and kind of how they start their day, how they close their day out and love what you said about. Yeah, it it does. I mean, it all depends on your life. But right now with kids, like my day wake, you know, uh, my son is probably wakes up earlier than my daughter. When he wakes up at six, he has like no runway. It's like, I wake up, it's like, go. So all I get, all I hear is da da, and as soon as I get him, let's go play Lego, let's go draw. Like it's instant energy. So Same with my daughter. Like I get, yeah, it's like so. My mornings are slightly different now, but I enjoy it. So now my habits have changed, where I, I'm sliding some of the things I used to do in the morning to right after we send them off to preschool. <laughs> yeah, no, and and that's that's normal, right? I mean, same with me, and and I. It frustrated me for a while, you know, when I was like, cause I mean, I, I got to where I had this routine and it would get me so dialed in for the day. I, I was just crushing my days. And then, you know, kids, you know, it, it's, it's tough to stick to the same routines once kids are in the picture, especially as they get older. And my daughter's the same way. She's like hundred miles an hour from the time she wakes up till the time she passes yeah. out at night. And, and I love that about her, but it's like, there's no downtime. Um, and I, it frustrated me for a while. And then, you know, finally I was just like, no, nah, man, this is what it's all about. Like be present, you know, in the moment, whatever that is, and then adapt your routine around, you know, your priorities. Right. So, uh, and I love what you said about 
Audible. I'm going to listen to your book on 2.0 speed. That's how I get through uh, Audible books faster. Um, and and I just love, you know, I do the same in the car and, and you know, music's great and all, but I'd rather listen to a good book and, and maximize that time in the car. And that ties in great to the, the next question of the lightning round, which is what book are you reading right now? Uh, my next one is called Trillion Dollar Coach. Okay. Um, Bill, Bill Campbell, who used to be a uh, college football coach, mm-hmm. uh, basically is being credited by all the success that Google and a bunch of Silicon Valley companies had. Yeah. So I'm, I'm intrigued because a little bit that I read, it's all about how Bill Campbell used some sports coaching techniques to help in the corporate world and in the startup world. And that's always been me without ever reading this. I've always used uh, sports and sports coaching philosophies in leadership and, you know, getting a team to be as uh, high performing as possible. So I'm fascinated to read this and and understand how sports played a role in uh, Google success and others other big company success. No, that is inter- so I have heard of Bill Campbell. Um I think it was the the book about Twitter, hatching Twitter. I think they talked a little bit in there about his role coaching. Um I'm drawing a blank on on Twitter's CEO's name now, but um yeah, so I I know what you're talking about. That that is interesting. Trillion dollar coach. Yep. There's another good one I read a few months ago and I'm drawing a blank on the name of it, but um, the guy that he was like a trainer for Michael Jordan and and some of the other stars oh. over the years. Um, and I think he might've just yeah. come out with a second book even, but that was pretty good. Um, and and again, I read that. It's yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Same, same type of stuff, right? I think there's so many parallels between sports and, and being successful as a sports team and being successful as a business organization. And then, you know, even individually. So, uh, very cool. I'll add that one to my list, uh, right after I read side adventure. Um, all right. Last question. What is your definition of freedom and are you living it? My definition of freedom is being able to enjoy your time the way you want to enjoy your time. Um, I would say I'm 80% living it. So, I have no complaints around what I've done, what I've accomplished and where I'm at today. I'm definitely, there's a lot of room for me to be better, more successful, a better person, a better father, husband. Uh, But just being able to use my time the way I want to use my time, to me, that's freedom. And uh, definitely the, the, what COVID has caused in a ironic way to be able to work from home has, has kind of led to that where yeah. it's my time I'm home and I can just pop my head into the living room and say, Hey, how's the little one doing? Or just stop what I'm doing and go shoot hoops. outside. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just being able to control your time to me is freedom. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and I think, um, you know, what you kind of alluded to, I know I, I experienced myself, which is like, I'll get to a certain point, but then I want to keep getting better. So I don't know that, you know, any of us ever get to a hundred percent, especially, you know, those of us that have that drive to just constantly improve. It's like, you know, you want to see that you're making progress, but, but there's always, uh, I, I think more freedom that we can create for ourselves, no matter how much we have. Um, I agree. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, it's. I would it's love to spend six months in the Bahamas. You know, <laughs> that's that, that's for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, there's always there's always more, and and sometimes you have to, at least for me, you have to check yourself too, because mm. you have to say we are so fortunate, and especially now watching what's happening in Afghanistan, like yeah. you have to check yourself and say, yeah, be grateful for what you have, and and, and don't always look on that side and say, you know, check, compare yourself with the Joneses and just be grateful for what you have. And uh, that kind of grounds you as well to appreciate today and not just always think about the next thing. 
such a good point. I mean, it's it's this fine line between having a vision, knowing what what you're working towards and where you want to go, but also being present, being thankful. Um, you know, it's a whole nother conversation, but one of some of the you know best practices or habits I've learned over the years is taking some time every day to be intentional about thinking about things that I'm grateful for and and you know just kind of really making sure that that I do at least somewhat stay grounded and and not spend all of my time you know thinking about the future so I, I think that's a great point um I, I really do so um Arden I could I could talk to you about this stuff all day um I know you're a few hours behind me so I know you got stuff I'm sure you've got to get to um thank you so much for doing this and and thanks for you know everything that you're doing to help other aspiring entrepreneurs you know figure out how they can take those first steps into you know creating their own side adventure so hey before we wrap this up tell people where can they connect with you uh remind them again the name of the book where they can find it uh websites anything like that if people want more where can they find it yeah i mean my website uh artinnazarian.com a-r-t-i-n-n-a-z-a-r-i-n.com uh you can also find me on instagram artin underscore nazarian that's my handle and the book side adventure is on amazon or most other places books are sold so i'm easy to find all right. We'll link all that in the show notes to make it even easier to find. Uh, go check out everything Artin's doing. And Artin, man, keep doing what you're doing. I'm a big fan, and, and I think you're an inspiration and really appreciate you dropping in here on the Path to Freedom podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was, this was really fun. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.